Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. This morning, what I want to talk about and what I want to discuss, I've told you it's Senior Sunday. We just watched the slideshow. I have created the message. I believe God's told me to speak it. But I did it with the seniors in mind. And I, I said the same thing last year, and I'll say it again. I love that we're all here to honor them. And I hope you get something from what I'm about to speak to you about. However, this was designed for you guys. And I hope you hear what God's message is for you today. This morning, we're going to look at Ruth chapter 1. And I'm going to tell you now, for those of you who... um I know all scriptures go up on the screen, but I also know some of you really like to look in, in your Bible. I'm going to go through a lot of different scriptures today. It's going to be hard for you to keep up, and I understand that. So understand that before we get started. But we're going to look at Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And before, before I read that, it's up on the screen. But before I read that, I need to let you know, I need to bring you around to a little bit where we're at when we hit this this part of the of the passage. For instance, Ruth and Orphan were Naomi's daughter-in-laws. And Naomi came to a point where her husband and both of her sons were killed. Naomi then went to Orphan and went to Ruth. I know Orphan sounds like a weird name. But went to Orphan and went to Ruth and said, I am releasing you. I am letting you go. You go back to where you came from if you want. I am leaving the land of Moab and I'm going back to Judah. And you have a choice. You do not have to stay with me. I know that when you married my sons, you said goodbye to your old life and you became your new life was a marriage and a commitment to them and to me. And I'm telling you, you are released from that commitment. Well, in verse 14, Orphan said, see ya. She gave, uh, Orphan gave Naomi a kiss on the cheek and she went. But Ruth, in verses 16 and 17, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. A man rode in his car and as he was being towed. His car had broke down on the side of the road. He called the tow truck. The tow truck came and got him and he said, this is where I needed to go. Can you please take me to this mechanic? And they were driving down the road and he actually, for some reason, rode in the car behind the steering wheel and as they arrived at the place, he got out of his car and the tow truck driver got out and he was smiling and he looked at him and he said, I got to tell you, I didn't think we were going to make it up that hill. And the guy that was the owner of the car, he looked up and he said, yeah, me either. That's why I had my foot on the brake the whole time. <laughs> commitment is a lot like, or not having commitment is a lot like sitting in the car being towed as you go up the hill, putting on the brake. It's a lot like going through life saying, I want everything I can possibly get as slow as I can possibly get it. And putting your foot on the brake because you're afraid to move forward. Why are we 
as a world so afraid of commitment? Look around. We don't want to commit. We're afraid that if we commit, it's going to be a little bit too difficult. I'll come back to that. But you seniors, most of you have grown up in a house. You have grown up in a house where your parents said, you're going to church. And i got to tell you, that's great. That is a huge blessing. But growing up in that house, not only were you forced to go to church, that leads and becomes forced to make certain choices in life. That becomes forced to make certain decisions in life. And that really forces you down a certain path. I hear a lot of times, I'm a Christian. When did you become a Christian? I don't know, I really didn't have a choice. It was just who I am. You know what's sad about that? And I need all of you students to listen to me because this is key. The fact of the matter is, six out of every ten of you will never go back to church after you graduate high school. Scary. Now I add this onto it. You'll say goodbye to Christ, you'll say goodbye to all your beliefs, and you'll leave God forever. True statistic. Not made up, not trying to prove anything. It's what it is. That scares me. Do you know why? Because we're afraid to commit. We're afraid when we leave high school. We're afraid to commit to new schools. We're afraid to commit to churches. We're afraid to commit to small groups. We're afraid to commit to God. Because why? I want to be my own person. I don't want to be tied down. And I certainly don't want to be what my parents wanted me to be. Because there's a whole new world out there. And my parents don't understand. Everybody who was helping raise me, they don't understand. And I need to be me. But do you know what winds up happening? We go to another church finally and we say, well, that's not like it was in the church where everybody knew me. Now, I don't know if I like this. I've got to take a step back. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves doing nothing. And I've got to tell you, I was one of them. Freshman year of college, I didn't have to go to church anymore. So I didn't. Figured it out my sophomore year in college. But most people don't. They say goodbye and they're gone. Here's my question. How committed are you? And if you're not, why are you afraid of it? What needs to happen to us in order that we can ultimately become committed? Because you want to know how afraid people are of commitment? We can't even commit to the person we're dating. There's a brand new level. This is strictly my opinion, but you see it on TV. You hear it in normal conversations. You see it in people's life. It's not dating, then marriage. It's dating, then, well, let's go to the next step and move in together. And then marriage, maybe, if they ever hit that. I'm not afraid of commitment. I just want to make sure it's right. Then do the thing that's going to make you stay together commit to each other in marriage. But we don't do that. And I'm not talking students, I'm talking people. We try and get around commitment any way we possibly can and then say we're committing. No, we're not. We're hiding. We don't want to admit it. But what needs to happen in order to be committed? What needs to happen in order that we make that long-term commitment? 
We're going to hit those in a second. But we have so many people who like to use the term, don't tie me down. Don't fence me in. That we wind up being fenced in and being tied down completely away from God and completely away from Christ. There was a pastor who was running a small group. Happened every Wednesday night. One night, he approached this gal. He said, I really need a Sunday school teacher. Will you teach? No, I don't want to be tied down, pastor. I know I come most of the time, but I don't want to be tied down. A couple weeks later, he did the same thing. She said the same answer. And he finally looked at it and he said, okay, time out. You've been coming to this small group for a while. I know you. I can tell you this. Last week, you came to me and said, I'm all in. Man, that, that message tonight, when we, the discussion we had was great. I'm in. I need to be a part. I need to do everything I can. I'm giving it all in for God. And he looked at her and he said, don't you think that if you want to be all in, that the person who was nailed on the cross for you, maybe you could be tied down for an hour a week for him? She looked up and she said, you're right. I get it. Maybe it's not about being tied down. Maybe it's about serving the one who served me. Maybe I need to be committed. Maybe I need to take a step back and change my thought process and step in and do everything that I'm supposed to do and commit to God. One other example. Show of hands, how many of you have been through a potluck? You'll all understand what I'm about to say. First, I need to apologize to every person who has made something for a potluck and your plate or bowl or whatever, pan, got set at the front of the line. Because if you sit and watch at a potluck, people will grab their plate and they'll go, hmm, I'll see. And they get all the way down to the end and pretty soon you can watch. The end plates are gone. Because people are going, I have nothing on my plate. And they start filling it up. Some people get all the way to the end and they walk away. I laugh at it because I saw my daughter do it first and I've seen adults do it too. They walk away, they have a roll and a carrot on their plate. (laughs) What happened? Well, I didn't see anything I liked at the end of the table and I passed up all the good stuff. Afraid of commitment, even with our food. (laughs) Now... Take that to your life. I'm afraid of committing. I'm afraid, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'll wait because there might be something better. And then we get to the end of our life and we have a carrot and a roll. And every time people look back and go, what happened? It's all I got. How come I didn't make that decision a long time ago and dive in when I knew it was there? How come I didn't take the chance and say, I'm done fearing commitment. I'm done being afraid of what's coming. I'm going to step in and be full force and be committed to Christ. Not so I can go to heaven, so that him and I can be a team. And we can show other people that there's a better life. We can show other people who he is and what he really wants. The Bible teaches us that there is nothing as important as commitments. Nothing that is as important 
as commitments. Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. 1 Samuel 7.3, and Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Here's the deal. When I, the last thing I'll say about commitment, maybe. Here's the deal. When we commit, we are committed people. Don't get me wrong. We aren't afraid of commitment in some things. We just don't see it as commitment. I am committed to working out every day. Some of you are committed to golfing, committed to boating, committed to shopping, committed to hunting, committed to serving, committed to name it. The problem is, when we take those commitments and they become more important than the commitment of our soul. Eh, that's not the way it is. Think about it. How much time a week do you spend doing things that aren't helping your soul? How much time a week are you committed to helping your soul? To diving in? To do what God wants. It's a tough question. It's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of us. Could it really be that we have commitments stronger with other things than God? We just don't know it? I want to cover a few things this morning that we need to know if we're going to make the commitment. The experts tell us that 25,500 days is the average of life of a human being. How many of those days are no good? How many of those days would you give up? If you really thought about it, you wouldn't give up a one of them because that would mean you're dead. You'll take every one of them, good and bad, because you're alive. However, how many of those days are you actually spending committed to Christ? All of them, Aaron, I just get lost in the TV. All of them, but I do get lost in the... Be honest with yourself. How committed to Christ are you versus the other things of your life? Now, don't get me wrong. You can have all these commitments and you can be full-fledged in. You can be... But are you really focusing on doing what Christ wants while you're doing those? That's the key. That's where it comes down. And looking at the different stages and what we need to know about commitment, we need to understand, we need to see, we need to know. Psalms 31.5, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. We need to make a commitment to God for our salvation, number one. Okay, I've already done that. I'm in, Aaron. I've ha- I've, I'm saved. I've asked Christ into my heart. Salvation is there. Great. No problem. But that's not it. Next, you make a commitment to God in order that you serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve 
whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. One night at his church, it was getting excited and people were starting to shout out testimonies. Things were happening. Things were going. This guy stood up in the back and he said, you know what? Every single day, I smoke three packs of cigarettes and I'm going to quit. Another guy stood up and he goes, every single day, I drink two cans of beer and I'm done. I'm going to quit. Another one stood up and he said, I have this huge problem with cursing. And I I know some people don't, but I do. And I'm going to quit. And a little old lady stood up in the back and she said, I have been doing nothing and I'm going to quit. easy in our commitment to get nice and settled in. I do what I do. Everything's good. And we forget to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we wind up doing nothing. Because you know what? I go to church every Sunday. I show up for the Bible study. That's enough. I'm busy golfing, hunting, shopping, fill in the blank. Watching TV. Fill in the blank. Sometimes when we know we're supposed to serve the Lord, we get caught up in how it's difficult. We get caught up how we don't want to. Which is where the key comes in. And it's the next one. We need to commit to obey the Lord. Matthew four eighteen through 20 As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left their nets and followed him. In order to obey Christ, in order to obey God, we need to do what he says, which always, always leads and comes back to following the Lord, which is the next one. Make a commitment to follow the Lord. Christine, come on up. Christine approached me this morning. She was at the conference, and I'll let her talk a little bit more about it, but she said, I got something that needs to be said, and we were going to have her come up before the message, but when she told me what it was, I said, it's got to go in the middle. Go right ahead. Um, Gosh, I don't know whether to just celebrate or cry or what, but um, I had no idea God was going to have me stand up today. And Aaron had no idea when he was preparing a sermon. I'm trying to get away from these spotlights. And um, we went to the women's conference yesterday. There was 14 of us that went. And Beth Moore talked on the three servants and the talents, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And I want everybody to listen in front because this pertains to you too Um, I just want you to know how powerful God is when you pay attention to him and don't walk away from him one of the reasons why that I got into the ministry that I did is I was involved with the youth and I felt so overwhelmed with, with getting involved with youth group and Bible study and gabs and everything and I thought I need a break 
but I couldn't do it because God was telling me, what about, what about the kids after youth group? We don't have a college ministry. We don't have anything for young adults to prevent these kids from walking away from me. So that's why I'm involved in college ministry now and the young adults. So anyway, go back to yesterday, and she's talking about what we do with our talents and our abilities and our capability in God. Are we burying it in the dirt, or are we multiplying it and growing it for God? What are we doing with what he has given us? What has he given us with everything that we have for him? Are we burying it in the dirt and just sitting on it and not letting it grow? So then I thought, okay, God, you're giving me confirmation that what you've been telling me is really you. Because sometimes I think, is it really God or is it just me? So yesterday at the conference, after we're digging into Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and I want, if you guys have not read that, it's worthy of reading and digging into because I've never dug into that particular part of the scripture before. And so the last session, Beth says, okay, now I want to hear from you. She says, I want to know what your takeaway is. So she went out to a particular spot in the audience, and I thought, okay, now is my time to just kind of sit back and listen to what everybody's going to take away. But God said, no, you need to write this down. And I thought, what am I going to write down? He said, you need to write this down. So I wrote it down. And then as we're walking out, he tells me, now you got to share it at church. And I thought, no, this is probably just me. It's probably just my thoughts. And so I thought, okay, we got in the car with Reagan and Becky and Tina, and I said, I really feel like God's telling me that I need to share this at church. And they said, well, text Cliff. So I texted him, and he said, absolutely. So didn't know Cliff was going to be gone today. He didn't tell me that. And Aaron comes barreling up to me, what are you sharing today at church? And I said, well, I'll show you. Come to find out, this is what he's talking about And that was totally God that just totally confirmed it, that what he wanted me to write down was for everybody today, not just you seniors, but for everybody. So what I wrote down was this, and this is from God. I tell you this, it's not from me. I just wrote down what he told me to write down. Take a risk. Have faith. He loves you. Stop running. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to die. He's not going to walk away from you because he loves you. Don't doubt that God can use you. God can use you effectively. Be authentic. Just be yourself. One thing to get into a ministry is just be yourself and See what God has done with your life and share that. That's what I've done. Don't wait to start serving. Start today. Let God create his masterpiece in you. 
He wants you to multiply those talents, all of your capabilities, and let it break loose in you. His Spirit will pour out on you. Have the radiance of the Holy Spirit set us free from what is holding us back. Heal us from that disabling spirit and let God astonish us. So that's what he's given to all of you today. And to that I say amen. But I'm going to wrap it up with this. She just gave you a challenge and goes along with it. My last point. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. First Peter 4.19 So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. We have no problem staying faithful and doing good when things are going our way. But there's a reason that perseverance is talked about in the Bible. There's a reason that commitment is talked about in the Bible. Could it be that sometimes it's not easy? Sometimes things don't go our way. And sometimes the only thing we've got left is the belief and the faith that God is who he says he is. Stay faithful. Let me give you an example. I have a friend of mine. He's a youth pastor. He's been a youth pastor for years. But he had to take a few years off. The reason he had to take a few years off is when he became a youth pastor, he was all in, full-fledged. His wife was helping him. Wife went to every Wednesday night youth group. Wife went to every event. Um, right by his side. And then they had kids. He was at a church where he was getting interns in the summer. Well, this one year, he got an intern. It was a female. He wasn't that old. He was in his late 20s. She was in college. She wound up riding shotgun on every trip they went on. She shared an office with him. They didn't have an affair, at least a physical one. They had an emotional affair, texting, email. It was exposed, told his wife, told his church board, confessed what had happened. He wound up losing his job, being let go, resigning, whatever you want to call it. But he didn't quit. Him and his wife went to counseling. They repaired their marriage. To this day, he still can't believe it happened. Oh, by the way, he took the proper steps, surrounded himself with the proper people, and now he's a thriving youth pastor again. I have spoken for his youth group many times. He's a very dear, close friend of mine. I've had him speak to my youth group before, my boys. He's come, and he's flat out told them, don't make the same mistake I did. Surround yourself with people in order that you can stay faithful. Admit it when you're wrong. 
understand, confess, and let the love of God wrap his arms around you and move you forward. Stay faithful and let God do the rest. When it gets tough, when you've lost your vision, get it back. Find who God is and see what God wants and commit everything you have to him. Because again, once again, where it all comes back to is Ruth. When she looked at Naomi and she said in Ruth, chapter 1, verse 14 through 16, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people, God, will be my people. And your God, my God. God, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May you, God, deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. That is my prayer for you. That is the commitment that God wants us to have. I've asked Noah and the worship team if they would come up and close us out with a song. And you're quickly going to realize that it's what I just read to you. What I ask, if you know it and want to sing, do what the Holy Spirit's telling you. But contemplate yourself where you're at in your commitment to Christ. No matter what, I will follow you. That is the challenge. And that is the desire of God's heart for us to say. Continue standing, but seniors, will you come down and spread out across the altars? And by all means, by all means, I don't want to cut this time short at all. The altars are open if you're not a senior and you want to come down. Go ahead and kneel down, guys. If you have something to to work out between you and God, the altars are open. Please, don't think that you can't come. I want the parents of these seniors to come down and stand by them. And after that, I don't believe the parents are going to be the only ones praying for them. The rest of you, come on down and let's surround our students as they are heading out. Father, man, I thank you for each one of these students. But more importantly, Father, I thank you for how you love them. And how your desire is for them as they leave in a few weeks as their life changes. Whether they're leaving town or not. As their life changes 100% drastically. Father, I thank you that you're still the same God who's there now. And I thank you that all your desire is, is for them to love you. And Father, I pray that you will dig into Taylor and Austin and Brittany, Brianne. Ashley, 
Nicola. Father, take Max and Eric and Bobby. Father, grab them. Remind them how much you love them. How much you want them to commit to you and say, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Because frankly, Father, I may be selfish, but I don't want them to become the six out of ten. I want them to be won by you and committed to you. Father, remind them that they are prayed for every day of their life, not just by parents, but by a church family who loves them. Father, I thank you. Again, I thank you for being the Father you are. Guide us as we leave this place and direct us. Penetrate our hearts each day. In that name we pray. Amen.